Welcome, 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 everybody. Miss Barb, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. We love you. We bless you today. We are so grateful that you are here. There's a handful of people that, that stuck around when we didn't know what was going to happen here at Church on the North Coast in Wycliffe. And, and this is one of the pillars here that was here, stuck around and kept this thing going. You know, before we got here, uh, it didn't look anything like this. What you're looking at right now didn't look anything like this. Uh, they probably, it was about, probably about a quarter, of, a quarter of this, right? A quarter of this. And so um, we just want to thank you for all that you've done, all that you're doing right now. Your presence matters here in this house. And so we love you and we bless you today. Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> All right, well, joy is your compass, and Jesus is your destination. Amen, amen. So glad to be here today. Um, before I get started, um, I know that uh, uh, Elder Ernestine back there, hold your hand up. She um, uh, leads our prime timers, and she's starting that back up again. Um, thank you so much. That's going to be Wednesdays. It's, uh, is it, what Wednesday is it? Is it, is it every, every month? Is it the first Wednesday? Second? Yeah, first Wednesday. This is the third Wednesday. This is the third Wednesday. Uh-huh. Wednesday. Wednesday. And so they're going to meet at Applebee's this Wednesday for the prime timers at 11, 12 o'clock. All right, because she got to work. All right. So 12 o'clock, Applebee's this Wednesday. All right, don't miss it. Be there. Be there. You know, we, we try to do this thing alone, don't we? All of us try to do it alone, but we're not meant to do this alone. Okay? So take advantage of the opportunity to gather. Every opportunity that you get to gather, take advantage of that. And so this Wednesday at 12, our, our, our prime timers are meeting at Applebee's. So be there, okay? That's, that's the only way you, you get to know who you're hanging around with right now. You know, that's the only way you strengthen yourself as the body of Christ is to gather together. And so meet her down there at 12 o'clock, all right? Um, let's read our declaration together. Hebrews 4.16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews, Hebrews 4.16, amen. Father, we just surrender this time to you right now, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would manifest your glory right here in this house, God. We came here for you. So I pray, Father, that you would open up our ears to hear the sound of your voice, open up our spirits to receive it, to digest it, God. Come in and do whatever it is that you want to do, Father. Get us, move us out the way, Lord. We move ourselves out the way right now. We come to the end of ourselves, and we ask you to just fill this room, God. We love you, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen, amen. amen. All right. Well, a man went out on a starry night and waved his fists up at the heavens. And he just yelled, and he said, God, what a lousy, rotten world you've made. I could have done so much better. 
And at that time, right at that time, a voice boomed from the clouds. And it said, that's why I put you here. Get busy. And so what I want to talk to you today about is being called to disciple. Called to disciple. We're going to go into uh, Matthew 28, but the context to this, to this text is this is uh, uh, when Jesus was resurrected. Um, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they said, went to the grave, went to the tomb. And right at that time, there was a great earthquake, and, 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 and then an angel descended from heaven. And it says that he moved the, the stone out of the way. We're talking, you know, we ain't talking about a stone. We're talking about a stone. He moved this one man, moved the stone out the way. And then he sat on the stone. And he looked down at them and he said, I know why you're here. I know why you're here, but he ain't here. Right? He is risen. He is risen. He is alive. Yeah. He's alive. He said, go ahead. Go in there and check it out. He ain't there no more. They went in and they came back out. And then he told them to, to, to go to uh, get all the disciples and, and tell them to go to Galilee. And, and, and Jesus is going to meet you there. And then the next couple of days, next 40 days, Jesus began to just present himself to people. After, this is after he, he died. Present himself to people. He went to, had a dinner with some disciples. You know, had a, 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 a fish bake out on the, on the beach with Peter. Uh, met a couple guys along the road and, 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 and opened their eyes. He'd done all of these miracles afterwards. And then he did something when he met the disciples on this undisclosed mountain in Galilee. He gave them something. He gave them and he gave us a command. And this is where our text picks up. It's Matthew 28, 16, 19. As Jesus talked to his disciples, he said, then the 11, it says, then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus was appoint, had appointed to them. When they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, of the Holy, and the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, this is the Great Commission. This is the Great Commission. Jesus said, go and make disciples. This is the, the divine directive for every Christian. That means for me, and that means for you. This is a, a, a divine directive. It's a mandate. Okay, it's an order that we go out and make disciples. This is the main thing right here. This is the central focus of Christianity, making disciples. It's being, being a disciple and making disciples. It's in the center here of Jesus' command. It's, it's, it's undebatable, right? It's undebatable. If, if the kingdom of God and the scripture is our authority, then this is the heart of Christianity right here, to go and make disciples. But the reality is a lot of Christians 
push that as far away from them as possible. Right? We, we don't even make it ours. What we do is we look at it as the work of the church in general. None of us really make it personal for ourselves. We just make it the, it's, it's in general. The church can make disciples. See, Jesus didn't make verse 19 a parable. Right? He made it very clear what he said there. He said, go and make disciples. God's design for the church is disciple-making. And it's not just for pastors. It's not just for missionaries. Like, this is, disciple-making is for all of us. It's all our ministry. It's what we're commanded to do. Let me see how many people are paying attention. Simon says, clap your hands. About half of y'all. About half of you. There's a game we, used to, we play with the kids uh, when I used to teach in kids' church. Um, sometimes I, I want to go back and teach kids' church sometimes, but uh, <laughs> they're so much easier. <laughs> uh, but that was the game, you know, we would play during free time sometimes. And Simon says, you know, Simon says, clap your hands. Simon says, stump your feet. Simon says, tap your head. Rub your ears. Oh, I didn't say Simon says, you know. And kids would lose it. I mean, I would, you know. You're out, Elliot. They would just be like, ah! <laughs> but, but that was a game we used to play with them. Simon says, you know, you know how to play it. If Simon says, don't do something, you don't do it. If Simon says, do it, you do it. Right? And that's how the game's played. We don't even know who Simon is. <laughs> we don't even know who Simon is. But we'll do it if Simon says do it. But you know who we do know? Jesus. We know who Jesus is. But some of us treat his word totally different. We do a totally different thing when it comes to the command of Jesus. When Jesus says, says, when he says to do something. What some Christians do is when Jesus gives us a command... We memorize it. We memorize it. We don't feel like we have to act on it. We just memorize it, right? It's like, it's like a teenager. How many people got teenage kids in here? All right, they, they were all teenagers at once. But um, It's like having a teenager, and you tell that teenager, go clean your room. Like, if you know a teenager's room, I got a couple, and, and the teenager... Teenagers' rooms, oh, goodness gracious. And I think about myself now. I look back at my, I'm like, oh, man, that was me. But, you know, you tell them, go clean your room. And they go. And they're gone for a couple of hours, right? <laughs> gone for a couple of hours. And they come back. And they say, hey, I memorized what you said. What did I say? You said, go clean your room. Did you do it? No, but I memorized what you said. And go clean your room in Hebrew actually means get out of here. Like they memorize it. You know, we, so we, we read it. We hear it. We know it. But we frame it in such a way that, it, that we don't have to be involved in it. 
We frame it so we don't have to use our own time, our own energy, our own investment, our own life. Even though the one that gave us life commanded us to go make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple, a simple definition of disciple is just a follower of Jesus. It's a follower of Jesus. It's a person who loves Jesus, and because we love Jesus, we obey what Jesus tells us to do. And then we have this desire to mentor and to bring somebody else to be mentored and to bring somebody else alongside us so that they can fall in love with Jesus too. When Jesus picked his disciples, all he did was walked up to him and said, follow me. Follow me. And then after three years of spending this time with, with Jesus, what he said was, okay, everything that I just did, everything that I just did with you, go do that. Go do that with somebody. And then, and then when you do that with somebody, tell that somebody to do that again with somebody else. We're part of this like chain link fence that's been going on for thousands of years and we're blessed enough to be part of it because somebody obeyed a command and made a disciple. I looked last, uh, Pastor Michelle found last night, um, Ken Roberts, he's a life coach and he had a, a master's class in our Lorraine campus and I didn't even know that, what it was about but uh, Pastor Troy posted one of his quotes, and he said, Discipleship is learning to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, while on mission for Jesus. Yeah? We're on a mission. We should be on a mission today. You should know that you're on a mission. And none of us can be like, we ain't like Jesus, so none of us can really disciple 12 people at once. But there has to be this fire in us that wants somebody that we know to come to know about salvation and how they, have to, how they can have and maintain a relationship with Jesus. But in order for you to teach somebody how to have and maintain a relationship with Jesus, you got to have and maintain a relationship with Jesus. Amen? That means that you got to pray regularly. You got to get in his face every single day. That means that you got to study his life. You got to study his life. His life is in the Bible. Did you know that? You just got to study his life. And here's the key right here. You have to learn how to obey. We have to obey. Right? A transformed life is the result of obedience. That's how your life is transformed. It is the result of obedience. He told us to make disciples. Let's look at our uh, text today. And we'll see what we need to do to be disciples and to make disciples. So Matthew 28, 16 says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. In order to make disciples, you got to be available. You just got to, you got to be available. Galilee for them was like, a, I think, a two or three day walk. If I told you that Jesus was down at the gas station down here, some of us might be like, can I get a ride? <laughs> I 
It was a two or three day walk. They were committed. They were so committed to Jesus that they went. They showed up. You got to be available. Any kind of ministry starts right there. It just starts with showing up, with being available. Like that's what I've realized is showing up and being available to God is one of the most important things that we can do for disciples as Jesus. Like he can't do anything with us if we don't, if we're not there. But when we surrender to him and make ourselves available to serve others, we can become part of this unstoppable partnership to do his will. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He has already prepared you. He's already given you everything that you need to make disciples. But we got to move everything else in our lives out the way and make ourselves available to him. Make yourself available to him so he can do exactly what he wants to do in your life. A couple of years ago, I had a, a friend of mine who sent me a text in the middle of the night. Um, and I'm getting older, so the middle of the night is like 10, <laughs> for me. That's the middle of the night. But he was, um, he was struggling with an, with an addiction, and he just needed some words of encouragement. And, um, you know, he didn't ask me to come over, but... I went to go send the text, and the Lord, I heard him say, you go. You go. And immediately, I'm like, God, man, come on. Like, it's late, you know what I mean? I can, I can get in touch with him tomorrow, right? It probably ain't really that serious anyway, God. Come on. You know, if I go over there tonight, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose out on some of my handsome sleep. And who needs that? Not Pastor Michelle, Right? <laughs> So come on, God, I don't want to do this, right? But almost immediately, I was reminded that I am a disciple, that I'm an ambassador for him, an ambassador for heaven, and that he, of all people, he's calling me? You're calling me to go do your work. And so I immediately got up. I got up and I went over to my buddy's house, and and when I got there, I didn't really... I didn't really say much. I didn't know what to say, you know what I mean? So I didn't really say much, but, but I showed up. I just made myself available. I didn't preach to him or anything, right? I just reminded him that he's loved. You are loved, man. And I believe that some of us, man, we don't show up because we're scared. We don't know what to say. Right? We don't know what to say or exactly what to do. But God ain't asking you to do that. He says, show up. Just show up. You may not have anything to say, but just show up. You see, it wasn't, it wasn't what I had to say. God said, take me. I need you to take my presence over there. I'm the one that will arrest the addiction in the room. I'm the one that will arrest the problem in the room. You just got to show up. You need to be available. We can't be light in a dark world if we're absent. When you make yourself available and show up, God will do a a mighty work in us. He'll do a mighty work through us. It's through the power of the Holy Spirit. He'll use you as a mighty tool, but only when you make yourself available to him. You got to make yourself available. And discipling isn't easy, no. 
because you're dealing with people. You're dealing with people and their moods. But all you got to do is show up, plant, and water. That's all you got to do. He'll take care of the growth. All you have to do is plant and water. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7 says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. You got to make yourself available. You got to make yourself available and plant. You got to make yourself available just to water. Get out of the way. Let God do everything else. When we want to walk in a room and we want to vomit words on people, that is your pride. That is your pride speaking to you. Just get there. God will take care of everything else. When I got baptized in uh, 2015, um, one of my buddies, uh, Terrence, uh, we grew up together in high school, but he he saw it on Facebook, and, and he was super excited, and he he got in touch with me and gave me a call, and he and I chatted for a while. He was just like, man, I'm so excited for you, man. You know, and, and so we talked for a while, and then he asked me, he said, um, he said, man, you got a Bible? I said, I do. He said, have you started reading it? I said, I have. He said, that's awesome, man. He said, what, what, uh, what book are you reading? I said, the Bible. He said, no, 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 no. Listen, listen. There's like, there's like 66 books in the Bible, you know. I said, word? He said, yeah. He said, what are you doing right now? I said, I'm talking to you. He said, go get your Bible. You see, that was the door right there. He said, go get your Bible. And so I went and got my Bible. He in Columbus right now. Go get your Bible. He said, open up your Bible. See those names at the top of the Bible, at the top of the page? I said, yeah. He said, what name are you reading right now? I said, I'm reading, where am I at? I said, I'm reading Job. I'm reading Job right now. He said, he just chuckled. He didn't even correct me. He said, no, no, no. Don't start in Job. Don't start in Job. I, I said, man, that was, it was depressing. Thank you. It was very depressing. It was confusing. I didn't know. He said, yeah, don't start in Job. He said, I want you to, to, to just go over here. Go to John. He said, go to John, man. This is what I want you to do. I want you to, to, I want you to read the first couple chapters right there of John, all right? I'm going to call you next Saturday, same time, 11 o'clock, and we're going to discuss it. All right? I said, really? He said, yeah. And do you know, he made himself available for the rest of the summer. Every Saturday at 11 o'clock, my phone rang. And I sat on the phone with him for two hours every single Saturday. He made himself available. Since then, Every year, I've read the Bible all the way through with my wife. Read it all the way through. But it was because he made himself available, because he obeyed the command of Jesus. When it was presented to him, when it's presented to us, we got to jump on it right now. We are to make disciples. See, I was hungry. I couldn't wait for his call every single Saturday. But it's only because he was available and willing to make the sacrifice of his investment and his time to help me sharpen my spirit. 
We are commanded to make disciples. You never know how you're going to affect somebody's life when you just make yourself available. Make yourself available to him. So be willing, be available. He'll do the rest. Amen? Second thing we have to do to be a disciple, to make disciples, is the next verse, Matthew 28, 17. It says, when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. I, I want to point out the second part of that, of that scripture before we move on to the first one. It says, but some doubted. Right, we don't know who was at this meeting. We don't know what they were talking about, what they doubted. I'm sure it's like, this is Jesus? Really? He, was, he died. Right? We don't know what they were doubting, but these were people at this meeting who had firsthand experience with Jesus. Like they were there, they saw him do miracles. They saw him heal people. They saw him cause blind men to see, right? They saw him feed 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two small fish. Most importantly, they actually saw him die, be put in his tomb, and now he's right here in front of them alive again. And some still doubt it. I think one of the most relatable and real confessions in the Bible is found in the Gospel of Mark. And it's where the father has the demon-possessed boy, and he, he takes him to Jesus because the disciples can't drive this evil spirit out of him. And so he brings him to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, if, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us, right? The father is standing in front of the Son of God. He is standing in front of Jesus. And he says, if you can do anything. Jesus said, if you can believe, anything's possible to those that can believe. The father said, Lord, I believe. I believe. Help me with my unbelief. Help my unbelief. That is the most relatable and real confession in the Bible right there. We know that Jesus, he heals them, right? But that's real. Whether we want to admit it or not, in our humanity, there's times where we have doubts. Most of the people that he puts in front of you are going to have doubts. It's when we pretend that we don't have doubts, we never have doubts, that we're not authentic to them and they see right through it. We deceive ourselves. And how can I say this? this is, that's what the enemy wants. He, wants. he wants a bunch of Christians that are deceiving themselves just screaming hallelujah and, and praise God and then walk out of here and, you, and, and nothing. You do nothing. It's okay to have doubts. It's not the end of the world, right? Because we don't, we don't doubt him for who he is and what, and what he says he's going to do. We don't doubt that, right? But it's because of, of the fear and anxieties that pop in that we doubt that he's going to take care of the tough stuff right in the moment, right? We, we have doubts that he's going to take care of that, that bill right now in the moment, you know, or he's going to take care of the job that we need right there in the moment. Or he's going to tra- turn that situation around in the moment for us. But you know what else we do in the moment? We still worship him. 
We worship him in the moment, right? You see, because you can worship your way out of some stuff. You can worship your way out of fear. You can worship your way out of anxiety, out of doubt. You can worship your way out of those things, out of it, out of depression. As disciples, our worship is more than just singing pretty songs. It goes beyond that. We worship him with our lives. You worship him with your life. We start our day off with him. We get in his word every single day. We pray intentionally. You pray. Pray specifically about things. Talk to him personally. Turn your problems into praise. Serve the body. We give thanks. We exalt him. We tell him how great he is. We love him and we love other people as ourselves. We give our lives so that others would come to know him. When they see your worship, even in the doubtful times, man, they want to know your God. They want to know your God. It's when we gladly reflect back to him the radiance of his glory. When we do that, it is the greatest expression of worship, and it leads other people into his presence. When we live a life of worship, we become more in tune with the Holy Spirit and more aware of the opportunities that he places in front of you. He places opportunities in front of us all day. No matter where you go, there's an opportunity to disciple. You see, there's a connection between worship and our mission. Our worship needs to be visible to those around us in the good times and in the doubtful times. I was reading Pastor Michelle's life before I read the Bible. I didn't know where she got all that joy. But soon I wanted to know. And so if you just live your life, worship with your life around people, they want to know who your God is. Amen? Amen. Active worship encourages discipleship. The third thing we can do to be a disciple and to make a disciple, Matthew 28, 18 through 19. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. The third thing we need to do is to submit to his authority and trust his power. Submit to his authority and trust his power. In high school, I played football, and every Friday night, three teams took the field. There was the the home team, there was the the visiting team, and those two teams, we we always, you know, we, we never agreed. We were always battling each other, trying to get to the other end zone or defending our end zone. You know, we never agreed. We were always clashing, right? But in the middle... Of those two teams was the third team. It was the team of the officials. The team of the officials don't belong to either team. Right? They belong to OSHA. They belong to OSHA as Ohio High School Athletic Association. And each official has been given a rule book. And that rule book governs all the decisions made on the field. 
their personal opinion or their preferences are subject to that book. And depending on the call, they can get cheered or booed, depending on the call. Right, but none of that even matters to the official because they're not there for a, a, a person, you know, not there for this, this popularity contest. It is the obedience of the book in the middle of the conflict that matters. Sometimes they huddle up so there's accountability and a unified call regarding the play. And whether anybody likes it or not, they make the right call because they represent a higher power. They represent a higher authority. All the athletes on the court or on the field may be faster, they may be stronger, they may be bigger, but none of that matters because the ref, as soon as they blow the whistle, everything stops. They make the call. Today, we are the third team on the field of conflict. And we represent a higher power and answer a king that has the ultimate playbook. We serve a God that's all-powerful. He has all authority. And we've been given a command to stop play and bring the right team, bring the players to the right team. We have the whistle today. Whether the world likes it or not, we are called to make disciples. We're called to put striped jerseys on, on people and bring them to know Jesus. He rules from a higher place, and our lives have to, have to be subject to his command. Psalm 103.19 says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. He sees every angle, guys. Like, it's like watching a basketball game, and, and, and they blow the whistle and call a foul. And you're like, what are you talking about? That wasn't a foul? That wasn't a foul? But upon further review, you're like, oh, yeah. And uh, he did. He acting. In the same way, our lives, when, you know, we may be like, what are you talking, why'd you do that, God? Why would you let that happen? I really liked her. I wanted to marry her. But upon further review, you say, oh, thank you, Lord. She was kind of cray-cray. <laughs> I didn't even see it. Thank you, Jesus. We may not like it. But we have to submit to his authority, his power, and his plan. It may not look like what we want it to look like. It may not feel good. It may be a little uncomfortable. But he's all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful God. Jesus intentionally announced in this prearranged setting that he is the Lord of the universe. He's not just a regional leader. He's not just this, like, secret savior. He's, he's Jesus. He's Lord of all. That means when he spoke his instructions to the church, he is deliberately declaring that in effect, I'm about to impose on you some obligations, and it is entirely within my right to do so. And so he tells us, go make disciples. We're told, we're told to go, which means that we can't remain idle. There's too many people who are idle right now. We come to church. We say hallelujah, amen, we hold our hands up, and then we take off, and we just don't do anything with it, anything with the instructions of the Lord. We just go on about our lives from Monday through Saturday, and then we come back into this room. We are called to make disciples. Last week was beautiful. 
but those were the CEOs. <laughs> like, it broke my heart when I left. I love to see them, but it broke my heart. I wanted those cards so I could just, I want to call you. I want to talk to you. I want you to come back. I want to know them. I want you to know what you have. I want you to know the freedom that you have. I want you to know the power that's available to you. We're called to make these disciples. Like they're literally souls hanging in the balance. And because we're his, we have the responsibility to bring another striped uniform onto the field. Amen? The command is to go make disciples. For us, that means that we have to go into Wycliffe. We have to go into Willoughby. We live in North Ridgeville. We have to go into Avon, Avon Lake, any of our surrounding cities. Stop waiting for them. We can't keep waiting for them to come to us. We have to take the gospel to them. We go into our other places. Our other places are where we naturally exist with non-believers. These are our other places. You have to identify the places that you're at right now and then just not exist. Don't just go there and exist. You understand what I'm saying? Exist on purpose. Go and exist on purpose. Exist with intent. Serve those people in your other places. If you're not comfortable with that, start here. Start right here. We had a life group on Thursday. That was an opportunity right there to sit down and talk and get to know each other. Swap numbers. Go visit each other, right? Spend time with each other. Find out about each other's lives. You know, are you married? You have kids? Where do you guys live? Can we come over? Let's have dinner. Do you drink pop? Because what kind of pop do you drink? Sunkiss. I would love to come over and have a sunkiss because my wife doesn't let me drink pop. You see, now I know that Ricky drinks sunkissed. See how easy that is? Let's talk about some other stuff. Just get to know each other. Stop making this so hard. You know, we think we have to stand up on our soapboxes and talk to people when you hear discipleship or evangelism. We're just getting together to know each other. And then, man, what has the Lord done in your life? Let somebody know what he's doing in your life, right? We've got to drop the religion, man, and let them know there's a relationship here for you. There's a relationship here. Thank you, Price. There's a relationship that they need to get into. I'm going to give you four do's of discipleship. As I'm going to close with these four do's of discipleship. First, prayer. So before you start discipling anybody, pray about this. You need to spend time praying about those people that you'll be discipling. Before Jesus started any kind of discipleship, he sought God and prayed all night alone on a mountain. In Luke 6, 12 through 13, it says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve whom he also named apostles. We, we, we deal with people. 
These are people's lives that we're dealing with. But we are called. We have been, you've been equipped to do it. But you got to talk to the Father. We got to talk to Jesus before we decide to handle anybody else. So first do is pray about it. Spend time in Jesus' presence and ask for counsel, ask for direction. Your second do of discipleship is build relationships. Build relationships. Jesus knew his time with his disciples was limited. He knew it was short. But it didn't stop him from developing deeper relationships and investing in other people. He intentionally spent three years with these young men, leading them through Israel, teaching them who he was, so eventually, one day, they would go and share who he is with other people. But you have to intentionally build relationships. He chose people on purpose. After he he was walking through, he stopped and he healed blind Bartimaeus, he did that intentionally just so Zacchaeus could run ahead. He did it intentionally. It says in Luke 19.5, and when Jesus came to the place, it was a designated place. When he got to that place, he looked up and he saw him and he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down for today I must stay at your house. He chose who he was going to disciple intentionally, which shows me, it shows us that We need to be aware of the capacity of of how many people we can effectively disciple at one time. He'll put that person or he'll put those people on your heart, but you got to be available to receive what he gives you. And don't allow anybody else to, to give you their assignment. God will speak to you directly. If he can make a donkey talk, he will speak to you directly and let you know who you're called to disciple. Stop being idle. The third do of discipleship is lead by example. Like Jesus never forced, he never forced anybody to follow him. He called him to himself. Jesus led and taught by example. One example is when he, when he washed the feet of his disciples. John 13, 14 says, and If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Jesus, our King, the same King that was given all authority and all of heaven and earth, he humbled himself as a servant so his disciples could see how to follow his example. This is one of the reasons why he came, to teach us how to to live in humility, how to be humble. He is the master. We are just the copies. He calls us to become humble followers that love him and want others to know him. The goal of discipleship is to help people follow Jesus, who will then teach other people how to follow Jesus. 
We have an opportunity to make heaven crowded. He wants to use you and myself. He wants to use us. Not me, God. I'm broken. He loves broken people. He loves broken people. We give the disciples too much credit. They were broken. These were dudes who was cutting off people's ears. They were broken. But he took those 12 loving guys and shook the world up. Turned the world upside down with the loving kids. Let's make heaven crowded. Fourth thing is mentorship. Mentorship. Proverbs 11, 14 says, where, is, where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. The Bible teaches the importance of having mentors in your life that are wiser and more mature in the faith. And this right here, this is necessary for discipleship and essential for encouraging disciples to increase and grow in their walk in Jesus. Joshua, he was mentored by by Moses. Elisha learned from Elijah. The 12 disciples were taught by Jesus. Barnabas took Paul under his wing. Timothy grew in his faith by spending time with Paul. You want to make sure that you have somebody pouring into you while you pour into somebody else. We are called to be disciples, to teach disciples to be disciples, to teach more people to be disciples so they can disciple somebody else. If you're a parent, this is where you start. This is where you start your discipleship. Right at your house, right at home. This is why he's giving them to you. So that you can give them right back. We've all been equipped to disciple, amen? So let's stop being idle and go do what we have been mandated to do to make disciples for Jesus. Amen. Stand up while we pray. Father, we just want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you, Lord. Father, for making us aware, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you would search our hearts, Father, remove anything that's not of you, from you. Pray, Lord, that you would open our ears to hear your voice, God. That you would point out the one for us, Father. That we would be able to serve this week. We remove all tricks of the enemy, any fear, any doubt. Give us the boldness, Father, just to go over and introduce ourselves. Holy Spirit, help us be available. Help us be available so that we can be used by you, Jesus. 
We know it's not always easy, but we know all we have to do is invite you into the room. And you're the one who arrests confusion. You're the one who arrests anxiety and arrests depression, arrests sickness. We just, we're honored and we're grateful just to be your arms and be your feet, to be your mouthpiece, Father. Use us this week. Let your will be done in our lives, God. We submit this week to your power. We submit this week to your authority, Father. We make way for you, Jesus, to come into our lives and do whatever it is that you desire to do. We love you and we bless you today in your mighty name we pray. Amen. Before we leave, if we want to give you the opportunity to give your heart to Jesus. If you've never asked Jesus into your life, you can do that right now. He's done all the hard stuff. He took everything and nailed it to the cross. He just wants a relationship with you. You never asked him into your life, we'll do that right now. With every head bowed, every eye closed, just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Come into my heart. Transform me. Make me new. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. I declare from this day on, I will live for you. Amen, amen. That's the first time you ever said that. I want to welcome you to the family of faith. We're going to have some pastors up here that uh, would like to pray with you. If you need prayer, please come this way before you go that way. Please come this way before you go that way. We want to pray with you. I want to thank you guys for being here today. Remember this week to live right, love everybody, and pray hard. We'll see you all next week. Amen.